Well, here we are. Thank you for reconvening. Thank you for joining me on this journey, the corporate lunch journey through the cosmos. This is episode 129. We're Sam, going to space. Rachel, we're going to space officially. It's official. We've raised, thanks to uh, all the corporate lunch subscribers, we were able to raise enough money to send the three of us to space uh, on Elon Musk's rocket ship. And um, Rachel, what are you going to wear to space? Telfar. Good choice, Sam. Uh, I'm going to wear a fucking space suit. I'm going to wear an yeah. ast- that astronaut shit. I don't, you know. <laughs> I'm a professional here. I'm a professional over here. So I'm going to dress yeah. for the job. I think I'll go nude. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Well, let's get right to it. Um, obviously, um, the big news of the day, the big news of the week that, that, um, sent the fashion world in a tizzy is the return of Phoebe Philo. Um, who, what do we know about this? Phoebe Philo coming back with a brand. Uh, Sam is applauding. It's called um, Phoebe Philo. Okay. That's the that's name good. of the brand. I mean, yeah, it's I kind think that's of cool. It's, it's funny that she's built uh, that kind of name recognition. I mean, I guess anyone can do that, but uh, the Phoebe Philo brand uh, obviously has a lot of cachet. Um, already without having stitched a single garm as of yet. And um, I thought it was funny to think it's only been three and a half years since she left Celine. Yeah, but everything has changed. It's all different. I guess. (laughs) It feels like an eternity. And I suppose that's the way the fashion world, um, that's the way fashion goes. Every season is a new eternity for us to lose I'm going to just ask a question. This isn't like necessarily reflective of my opinion, but do you guys think Phoebe Philo is overrated as a designer? (laughs) Um, And the more like pointed question I think is, well, I'll tell you what I believe is I just think she's widely misunderstood and her influence and her actual output is, is misunderstood. But what are your guys Phoebe Philo takes Noah, I, I agree with you. She is widely misunderstood. Can you explain more of what you mean by that? Because I think that's really interesting. Well, Phoebe Philo herself has impeccable taste and always presents, always looks, she looks great in every photo that's ever been taken. And there's a certain, she's always had this kind of like loose elegance that I think uh, is really aspirational and is, yeah, just like she's one of the, the great, designers of, 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 uh, of personal style. I don't know how to better. It's like her and Dries Van Noten and Raph, these people who like, they just always look amazing and they like really represent their brand, but they don't actually, the way they dress isn't actually what they're putting out. Phoebe Philo made her name at Chloe. Right. Mm-hmm. And she sort of defined that like era of like what became boho chic. Yeah. Right. Is that right? Like, I mean, I yeah. Like naughty and trashy. Yeah, it's kind of like now it's an Etsy aesthetic and it was very, to me, it's like what led to anthropology and a certain kind of still sort of pervasive trendiness. But I don't think it's, I mean, like you see the Phoebe Philo memes and celebration that's been rolling out this week. And I don't think people are necessarily responding exactly to what she did. And then at Celine, um, that like French elegance was there, but I, I don't really think it's what people think it was. 
Yeah, it's been so imitated that that people seem to have the imitations in their head rather than what she actually did. Because she was like actually really surrealist and kind of funny and trendy. Yeah, she wasn't some minimalist. She wasn't yeah. Jill Sander. You know, it's not, she wasn't Jill Sander. Yeah, the repu- the mainstream fashion press seems to make a big deal out of how she was, you know, when she... Uh, left Celine and, and essentially like took three and a half years off there. It left this huge gap for like professional brainy chic women um, who sort of relied on her for, for clothing. But uh, she was doing a lot more like weird, cool, like, like the, like the, the Celine garment that is like the most like pop culturally uh, like resonant or something is like the blouse that Kanye wore at Coachella probably. Right. Which is like really fun and kind of like flirty and slinky as a as a garment rather than something that like anyone would wear to like the office yeah i mean the also like if you look at the things that i guess people would wear to the office you know she would do these kind of really low rise like baggy pants and these like long sort of spilling out oversized button downs and or button ups rather i mean it was really pretty strange stuff you'd have to work at a pretty like you'd have to work at an art gallery really for you if you were going to wear it to your office um and it's not like i mean how 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 i wonder about like how many people were really wearing celine ready to wear to me she's like it's a little bit like margela where there's this celebration this like allure and mystique and obsession with a designer, but I, not a lot of people are actually grappling or, or with or wearing the clothes all that much. I mean, people talk about Margela as one of the greats, which undoubtedly he is, but the stuff that he was best at, no one's wearing. They just like to talk about Margela and like wear the sneakers, but there's a big gap. And I, now, I to be clear, like, I think that's good. I think that the best designers do, they are challenging and they're not for everyone. Margela certainly wasn't. Um, but the cultural like excitement just is far greater than the reality, I think of, of the clothes to some extent. I just don't for, yeah. Don't forget about the bags though. Well, that's, you mean Celine bags? Yeah. Yeah. They were major, right? And the shoes. Yeah. Cause she like, I mean, she quadrupled the sales at Celine. It's what it's like widely assumed. And that was all through those bags, which actually at East Lemaine still sells those bags. Yeah, that same shape is still in production, right? And it's the one that Frank Ocean took to Fashion Week. Right, that huge, it was a green tote or something. Yeah, some it's like kind, a tote, right? like a lo- the luggage tote. Again, the I other don't know. thing, yeah. And also like, you know, I saw like a lot of people saying, I hope that her return will bring back feminism into fashion. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't laugh at that. I mean, like, I, I think like Phoebe Philo is like, she doesn't care about feminism. <laughs> like her, yeah. her, her show notes were infamously like a bunch of like really cool pictures, uh-huh. you know, like she's not, she's actually not at all a, it's funny. Like I remember there were so many, um, angry interviews of Fetty Slimane's first show that were sort of reacting to this, this shift from this designer who was considered quote unquote feminist to this designer who was, you know, uses extremely thin models and like kind of subscribes to a very um, like old fashioned 
fashion mystique. Yeah. Um, and that this was like somehow offensive, which, you know, I, I found that kind of like, I was like, what is, that's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just like, I don't think that um, she, like, I, I don't think, I think as you're saying, Noah, she's not for everyone. And I think part of probably why she left to begin with is that there, she didn't like the um, sort of fashion is for everyone direction that things were going in. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, from, from what we know, she's probably not going to do fashion shows. Maybe she will. She might do like one a year. She's only going to do like a couple of collections. She's not going to do like, you know, all these in-between collections. I would guess she's also going to have like a big client, private client um, sort of apparatus. Yeah. I mean, I guess that would. Almost well, like Aliyah, like a, a original Aliyah. Yeah, that's what I've been seeing. I, I wonder, do, is that based on anything or just, just, I mean, I also just wonder. Vibes. Like, it's based why, on vibes. Like why wouldn't Celine, why wouldn't, sorry, Phoebe Philo of the brand be um, something really huge and like accessible and, and why wouldn't it build on um, her reputation and, and, and be the opposite of that? And people were, were suggesting that it'll be, or maybe her statement or some, whatever information is out there suggested that sustainability would be a focus, which leads you to believe it would be of kind of a made to order kind of private client type of business, um, which does seem like the future of a certain kind of high fashion and that it would be a very, it's going to be very, you know, high end. It'd be really, really expensive. Um, which yeah. y'all know, y'all know we love as the, the premier elite men's fashion podcast, there's nothing we love more than very expensive women's wear. I think to that, you know, more to the point, what, what I observed over the course of this week was like lots of dudes, lots of menswear dudes in their Patagonia baggies and camp shirts and loafers posting just exuberantly about the return of Phoebe Philo and what this means. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? How, in the, how do you think this is going to have any impact on, on anything that is relevant to you? Um, now, you know, anyone can be a fan of fashion and can appreciate, yeah, the return of one of the great designers. It's exciting to see what she's going to do, but it, I feel like the res the response that I observed was kind of strange. I, you know, I think it's a lot of people that kind of their fashion education or what, for whatever it's worth was primarily done on Tumblr several years ago. And, <laughs> and they're like Phoebe Philo was like a huge Tumblr, like mood board star, as far as I know, you know, I mean, like a lot of those. You're images... such a snob, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think most of those guys, I think most of the people that Noah's talking about, you know, are, are, are more fans of Phoebe Philo, like the, and her personal style than the actual yeah. clothes, you know, yeah. clothes aren't for them. Although there are some guys who, um, you know, we're wearing the sneakers around like three years ago, four years ago, uh, who could fit into a size like 41 or something. Yeah. Uh, but that was always sick. And I was always jealous of them. Do you think though, there is this like thing happening in fashion where everything is just becoming like more private and more elite and, or I guess more elitist also like that sort of old Alaya model is what I think a lot of designers are going to start doing. I mean, that seems to be what Demna is doing with Balenciaga Couture. Uh-huh. Um, 
that kind of seems like what the new Alaya is going to be like too. Like he gave this interview and he's like, I'm never going to do a puffer or a hoodie mm-hmm. or any, or anything in nylon. Um, Aww. yeah, you're not going to get to have a fitted bustier micro knit <laughs> puffer. Maybe this is a boring question, but I feel like people are asking, um, you know, LVMH started Fenty with Rihanna and, you know, closed it after two years because it never really caught on. Um, you know, does Phoebe File have a big enough like fan base and enough rec- name recognition for her own brand to really take off? Well, they're, they've invested less money in her business than they did in mm-hmm. Fenty. Also, like Phoebe File is a better designer than the well, people that Rih- than the Rihanna and her team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that the clothes just weren't good, you know? Yeah. It's hard to imagine that the Phoebe Philo brand is is not somehow commercially viable. Um, did did LVMH have a majority ownership of Fenty? Mm-hmm. But they they don't in Phoebe Philo, right? Right. It would be very cool if she did do menswear. And it it doesn't seem like it's headed that way with what we know. But you know, the menswear business wasn't wasn't what it is what now it, yeah. when mm-hmm. she was at the at the height of her power. I mean, it would be she's probably not interested in doing it. But if you just look at the the size of the business, I think there's just way more opportunity in men's just to even dabble. I mean, like the row or something is sort of doing. Mm-hmm. I think of, she'll but. do gender fluid sustainable track pants with a 100% recycled cashmere sweater in natural tones inspired by nature marketed through instagram it comes in a bag and then you send something in the bag back to the company and then phoebe philo distributes whatever is in the bag to the last person who bought a pair of Warby Parker glasses. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, if you're Daniel Lee, are you shook right now? I can't believe you just said shook. That was <laughs> so great. This podcast rules. We should do this every week. Um, he's doing something. He's like, he's in his own zone now. Yeah, He doesn't need to worry about that. Do you think, I mean, people love to talk about Daniel Lee and, and, Obviously, Bottega is sort of the hottest brand on the planet right now. Maybe that's not obvious, but that's what I'm hearing. And and his experience at Celine under Phoebe Philo certainly gives him some um, credibility. Credibility, I suppose. But everyone comes from somewhere. Do do you see it? Do you see the Bottega thing as really derivative of Phoebe Celine? That's maybe an unfair question. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Now it's just totally doing its own thing. That's I mean, have, you guys, have you guys gone in the store? No. Which one? It's so much fun. Like any of the stores. I mean, like yeah. see, seeing the clothing in person in the store, it's so much fun. It's like awesome clothing. Is it just and it's, walls and walls of puddle boots? It's <laughs> like a giant, crazy, thick leather, like boot cut pants. Um, and like huge perforated leather tops and these really weird knits that look like um, television static. And the colors just, are just absolutely outrageous yeah. too. There's that like yeah. green screen, green, that uh, just like all the, all the latest stuff is coming in. 
and I was at one of the stores recently and the sales associate was like, oh yeah, we're about to like come back next week because we're going to have wrapped the entire store in this green screen color. I love that they're really thinking of, like they're really doing things in their own way. Like deleting their Instagram and like, oh, we're just going to make this like digital zine. And then they don't, like they do these, their shows in these private salons and you can't take any Instagram or, you know, social media footage. And then they debut the, yeah, they threw this illegal party. (laughs) Like during deep lockdown in Germany. Oh yeah. So the show was at, the show was at Berghain. The, the party was at the Soho house. And the next show is in Detroit. Can we say that? That's been announced, right? Yeah. Detroit. We should fucking, how do you get to Detroit? Did you take a plane? We should go fly to Detroit. Um, I know. I hope they invite us. Detroit is the, is the coolest city in the country. I'm not just saying that because I want more listeners from Detroit. We should, yeah. If any listeners in Detroit, uh, DM Sam Hine um, with a picture of yourself in your favorite um, part of Detroit. Isn't uh, isn't my favorite Christian Slater movie? Doesn't that take place in Detroit? Pump up the volume. No, not pump up the volume. The one that Quentin Tarantino wrote. We should have Christian Slater on the pod. He's an old friend. Um, Oh yeah, I interviewed him. La- True Romance. Oh yeah, yeah. Great he one. works at the comic book store in Detroit. God, that movie is so good. Should we have a? Tr- Why is that movie so good? Should we do a True Romance corporate lunch, um, like viewing pod? What is it? Recap? Yeah, like a live, a lot. Like we all watch it together and like tweet it, or like we're all on. Or we all like watch it and then just record like a quick pod after. This is what every this is what everyone is wearing right now. And they don't even realize that this Christian Slater invented Sam Hine. Yeah. <laughs> can you can you can you describe it for the listeners at home? Okay, I'll do it in an ASMR way. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. He's wearing um little white suede boots, rolled up jeans, um a red Hawaiian shirt unbuttoned over a t-shirt with Elvis, like late career Elvis aviators because his character is obsessed with Elvis. What a guy. And he's just like eating cheeseburgers. He loves comic books. He kills a racist Gary Oldman. (laughs) Also (laughs) just like prime Slater that era. I mean, yeah. Also James Gandolfini's first movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. Guys, if you are listening to this podcast and you have not seen True Romance, you need to turn it off, watch True Romance, and then no, come back. No, come on. Finish. No, the and then come back. Because actually Phoebe Philo is calling in later in the episode at, <laughs> at the very end, but you, you only catch it if you listen to the whole episode because the way we edited it. Do you think that... Bottega, like, is there a, is there a revolution afoot here? Are we, because there's like, there's still like, if you have Virgil Abloh and Kim Jones, they're still like building and like operating in this, the, in the way they have been for a couple of years now, you know, like, like, you know, there are new ideas, the, the collections evolve, the productions evolve and, and change, but they're still kind of like, 
in terms of the, the big strategy, it doesn't appear to be like a radical rethink of things. But then over here on this other side, you have the Bottega thing, which is like clearly heating up and is pushing a really different approach. Do we just live in a world where all, all of these things can exist equally or do we reach a point where, where um, there's a real shift? Well, I think what's important about the Bottega renaissance is that it sort of proves that you don't need a celebrity designer to generate real hype you know i think that was that like the celebrity designer i became such like a you know important idea it felt like it was like the only thing that could exist for a while that like you needed someone who was like a real social media star and had a real cult following in their own right um you know and as a, as a figurehead of a house so that um their audience would you know come with them to, you know, like Virgil's like a prime example of that. And I think a lot of people saw Virgil's appointment as this, as like the dawn of this new age where like being a big deal designer, like guy in your, you know, on your own was, was extremely important. Like was probably the most important credential to getting a big job at a top fashion house. But I think Daniel Lee has proven that, you know, like no, like no, you know, most people who like go into a Bottega store have no idea who he is, don't know what he looks like. Yeah. Uh, but the work kind of stands on its own. Well, Bottega is a caring brand, right? The parent company is caring, which obviously also owns Gucci. And they had great success with Alessandro Michele, who was a similar story, but, but very different in that mm -hmm. he had been at Gucci for 10 years or something, but no one knew who he was. He just had this clearly had a powerful vision. I mean, that's, that's an, just an insane story every time you think about it. So it did seem like caring was and caring. I mean, we've, we've, if you've, if you listen to what the, the CEO talks about and like, they're definitely willing to take risks to like hand over a heritage brand to someone new and unproven. Um, yeah. And they were like, sure. Like Gucci can collaborate with Balenciaga. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think like, like I, I don't know, I guess everyone is so skeptical of corporations now and critical of them as they should be, you know, but I am consistently so impressed with like the weird things that, the Pinot family encourages the designers of those brands to do. Like, can you imagine if like, you know, like Will went to Anna and was like, gee, he was just like not going to be on Instagram anymore. Yeah. Hey, like, maybe we should. Yeah. Let's try it. I mean, I'm yeah. Worth pitching. Yeah. Yeah. And their designers are all pretty weird. Um, in the most brilliant, you know, in the way that like great artists are, um, right. Sort of. Yeah. I think we should start a GQ Finsta private. Okay. G GQ Selectuals. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> um, yeah. And then we'll have a party at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> but I'll be blacklisted from it. So everyone went to Venice except us, um, which is a shame because the, all those people in Venice don't get to hang out with us. Did uh, Rick Owens is showing there? Did he do it yet? Or we're waiting? He for did it. it. How was he it? He did it. It was great. Hey. Classic Rick on the beach, a little boardwalk on the beach runway. Mm -hmm. Were any of the models hanging dong? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tyrone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, not not fully, not, but not. you. I mean, it was very it was very exuberant. Mm -hmm. I think Tyrone should come on the pod sometime. Sometime very soon. Yes. That will have to be a video edition also yeah. of 
if we land that. So it was, a, but it was, it wasn't just Rick. It was Valentino and Saint Laurent. Yeah, Saint Laurent showed on Wednesday. Lots of, I mean, insane blouses. It was a very blouse-forward collection, All right. which I think, like, it was interesting. I always think about, like, okay, who on staff would wear this collection? Uh-huh. This I was like, there's a blouse for all of us here. Yeah. <laughs> um, like Sam Shuby in a big poet blouse, like unbuttoned, doing his best, like Elliot Gould in The Long Goodbye. <laughs> why does everyone decide at the same time to just go have a fucking fashion show in venice well i think does isn't this usually that like one person decides and then like all the other brands are like oh that's a good idea i mean rick owens has a house in venice like he's, oh right he sort of lives there now. and the, the architecture biennale is happening so the um the saint laurent show was a part of that right because they had this big large scale dug Aitkins, I think that's how you say his last name, sculpture. And then um, Valentino, Pierre Paolo was like, I want to take it back to the homeland. Yeah. It's coming home. (laughs) How did everyone, I feel like people just all knew that phrase and I had never heard it before and everyone started saying it and I felt like an idiot. It took me a long time to catch it, but yeah, it didn't go home. It unfortunately didn't. It's coming Rome, is what, is yeah. what really happened. That's what they said. Wow. Sam, did you just come up with that right now? No. No, Absolutely the announcer, not. one of the announcers in the game said it at the end of the game, I think. Did he say but it with I'm a British sure, accent? I'm sure a million people said it around at the same time around the globe. I listened to the, I couldn't figure out how to stream it because if you, you know, if you try to watch, if you don't have a television or cable and you try to watch sports online, you have to pay like $90 to watch something on ESPN. (laughs) So I listened to, I listened to it on the radio. Like I was a really old woman living in the country. That's pretty sick. It was probably exciting. It was, it was great. I listened to the men's Wimbledon final. I was in the car and I listened to the men's Wimbledon final that same, that morning on the radio. And I never listened to tennis on the radio before, but it was amazing because the announcers talk so fast because they're trying to like, keep, you know, help, help you visualize what's happening, but the shots are going back and forth at such a rapid speed that they're like, you know, it sounds like they're uh, like auctioneers or something. That sounds it awesome. Really, it was actually really fun. That's a good vibe. Yeah. Tennis on the vibe. radio. It's also mm-hmm. good, like a good band name. <laughs> TV on the radio's uh, spinoff group, Tennis on the Radio. Yeah. Did this new John Mayer album come out yet? Sam, have you? It sure did. We got to uh, get... I've been blasting Sabrock all morning. Let's book him for the pod to talk about it. The John Mayer sort of rebrand. I don't know if it's a rebrand, actually. It's like a sub-brand. It's sort of an offshoot. A. Uh... It did feel like this was the first time where he's merged, like, John Mayer, the personality, with, like, John Mayer, the musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The John Mayer like, brand, uh, like, the pop star brand John Mayer never really seemed to overlap with, like, the John Mayer man. I mean, that's a stretch, but, or. No, I think, I think that's true. Like, I think there's this, there's like, like the core John Mayer fan. Well, John Mayer has this like huge fan base where like, if he goes to, if like, if he's playing in your town, you're like, yeah, I'll go see John Mayer. You know, like he's at that level of like musical success, but then he's also like, okay, I got to get like really crazy vis and like, yeah. 
call up Eric Clapton and talk about old Armani. I wonder how many like millions of, of John Mayer fans over the years have like, you know, like real obsessed diehard fanatics uh, of which I'm sure he has many hundreds of thousands have like gone deep into like the wisdom research, hoping to like bring a little John Mayer style into their own life only to just Mm -hmm. be heartbroken by the reality of, you know, how much those suede boots cost or whatever and how hard they are to get. Sad if you think about it. Do you think John Mayer has that, um, the fur coat that Eric Clapton has? Is this a like a Visvin fur coat or you're talking about something? Oh new yeah. Clapton? Yeah, it's John a Mayer it's has a, a lot of Visvin. That sounds like a Visvin piece that they would only make like one or two of. Yeah, one has Eric Clapton's and one has John Mayer's. Or there's one and they maybe trade it back and forth. Whoa. <laughs> it's like a full duster. Is that yeah. like a belted he looks- robe coat? Yeah, it's a belted robe coat with a shawl collar or like ankle length. He looks like a like a, a yeti. Like a man, like a yeah, like a yeti or like a, a, a solicitor from 19th century England. <laughs> I saw um Hiroki Nakamura, the visitor designer at Air Juan last time I was in LA. Oh, what was he wearing? What kind what was he driving? He was he, yeah, he pulled up on a on a really old, like super vintage Triumph motorcycle, like an old British motorcycle. Wow. And his wife was um, driving a Range Rover behind him. <laughs> I, was I was sick. really hoping you were going to say she was in a sidecar. No, the groceries went in the Range Rover and then, you know, he zoomed out in the Triumph. Wow. That's such a good Erwan sighting. Sam, wow. Did I imagine that Visvim is launching like an athletic line, right? They're doing like a Lululemon, a Vuvu yeah. Visvim. They sure are. Yeah. (laughs) There's something there. That's pretty sick. We'll keep workshopping. I'm, that is of interest to me. There isn't any, what what kind of athletic apparel do you guys wear? Just the regular stuff, like a Nike short? Yeah. Is there an athletic? What? Yeah, I just wear Nike. Like there's cool running brands that like satisfy, I don't know if they're cool, but like they're, independent kind of like stylish like specific, like running brands or cycling brands but like when you're talking like just general like i'm gonna go do like flip some tires at crossfit or like do a bunch of burpees or what jumping else jumping jacks jumping jacks i'm gonna jump on a trampoline i what wear tennis you- i just wear tennis whites to soul cycle you know yeah that's really sick i've just polo. been skating in tennis whites lately it's very I look like a psycho, but it's so hot. I also think it's cool when people do like aggressive fitness stuff in like cut off jean shorts and like Converse and maybe like a flannel shirt with the sleeves ripped off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of guys lift in Converse and like beat up old chucks, which seems probably bad for you, but it's very swaggy. I tweeted recently that I wanted to get super buff and a lot of people told me I had to like eat like maximum protein fuel and seemed really hard i'm not i've kind of decided not to go that route so you're gonna not eat anything (laughs) people got yeah it got too it got too serious it was pretty intimidating i just don't think it's it's not the lifestyle for me i'll just stick with my you know grain bowls you guys want to talk about gossip girl yeah you guys i think it's really 
uh, it's really important for everyone listening to this podcast to understand that it's okay to like the new Gossip Girl. All right, tell us more because I- It doesn't make you a, a traitor. It doesn't make you dumb. In fact, it makes you smart. I see no tangible difference between this new Gossip Girl and the old Gossip Girl, other than the casting is better and the uh, clothes are better. Otherwise, it's exactly the same. I now can say that both the original Gossip Girl and the relaunched Gossip Girl have featured cameos from close personal friends of mine. It's true. Yeah. I think that everyone, I mean, I want everyone to watch it and like it because they need to hang around until season two when Corporate Lunch gets our well-deserved cameo in Gossip Girl. Yeah. I mean, the 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 jokes, like the 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 level of the depths of the references, I should say, is very impressive and hilarious to me. Like in the first episode when there's a character who says to Tavi that Twitter is just for conspiracy theorists and Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's <laughs> good. Yeah. I also like when when Evan Mock said sees Marjan, like one of the characters, I think this was an episode two or three, one of the characters was like, what's that shirt? And he's like, sees Marjan. He now defunct like, <laughs> like downtown you know, luxury label that everyone like really liked, but that never sort of, you know, caught on. I was like, I got out of my, off my couch. I was like, yes. <laughs> That's such a deep cut. I mean, like that label it's has- so deep. Like it's a perfectly good brand, but it doesn't exist and has almost no name recognition. <laughs> but all the references are like, you know, for an audience that, it's like for the corporate lunch audience. It's like for people who like are really tuned into fashion and really tuned into like, me, you know, media and very online, right? Like most people watching Gossip Girl do not know who Antoine Sargent is. Close friend of the pod, love him to death. Um, but like, there's that's such a deliberate choice to, to have like a sick cameo from Antoine versus, I don't know, like someone like Juliana Rancic or something like, yeah, I don't even know who that is, but I think she's like pretty well known. Yeah. I also like, I mean, Mel Ottenberg was in there. Oh, he, looked great. he looked really good. Oh my God. He has really, I mean, Mel is very handsome, but he really has a face for television. I guess the idea is for the viewers who don't know those people, they don't, they don't, they're not missing anything necessarily. And it's not taking anything away from their experience. Then there's the viewers who do know those people who are like the influence, who are like the, the media crowd and the people like us who will go talk about it. And so there's a win there. And then I guess there's the a viewership that's like aware that these, I don't know if they're Easter eggs or what, but aware that the show is full of that and they can like read the credit. They can, they can discover for themselves like who Mel or Antoine, who those people are and be like, oh, this guy works like a Gaussian and like this guy's like Rihanna stylist or whatever Mel is best known for and like put all these pieces together and it adds all these layers to the show. I guess it's kind of brilliant, but it does make me wonder if it's like, cause you're really only catching a, initially you're only catching a small audience with these references, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think the idea is like in the same way that, you know, people look to like ASAP Rocky wearing like Kiko and, and they're like, oh, like, I don't know what that is that he's, that he's wearing, but I love everything that ASAP Rocky wears. So I'm going to find out who this designer is. Yeah. I think that's kind of the same idea. Like the books that all of the characters are reading as well, 
are really like deep cuts, mm-hmm. like really, really deep cuts. Like you kind of wonder if they're like looking through, like looking through book forum reviews over the past uh-huh. like two years to figure out what to put in there. But there's also, I think also the, um, like the approach, I guess this is what I mean when I was saying that there's no tangible difference between this one and the old one is that the idea of these like racially diverse bisexual or like sexually fluid teenagers wearing like Balenciaga and like oversized bomber jackets with their school crest and like all having these, you know, like intense relationships with one another. And like the richest one is this like cute white boy who feels so guilty about his parents developing the Brooklyn Navy Yard that he brings designer donuts to the workers on strike and then like shows up to school and brags about it. That's like, that's exactly what is aspirational today. And that's why it's so funny. Do you guys have any insight as to like Jeremy O'Harris is a writer on the show, right? Do you know who else is writing or like, what is, who's coming? Well, up? actually I am. That's why it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the two of you and you fucking cut me out of it. Cut me out of the deal. Cause I'm too old. I will say gossip girl, like could have been just absolute dog shit. And I still would have been into it. Like as soon as gossip girl followed me on Instagram and added me to their close friends list i was like all right i don't I don't even care like this show could be terrible and i'll still ride for it yeah so it worked basically and it looks more expensive than the like it the other one it was like it really looked like they were on the cw this is like it's like woo this is hbo money baby <laughs> who else do you think they'll bring up like will they bring up dime square i mean um, they, they have to they're still filming. They're filming through August. So I think it's, I think it's going to like the end, like the, the second half, the second batch of episodes. I think the first six are coming out and then there's going to be six more after like a little break. Um, I'm sure will involve like whatever stupid shit everyone's talking about this summer. But I would, Amazing. you know, like some of it, like, I feel like there's like some low hanging fruit that they've got a, like Caroline Calloway or something like that, you know, so I'd be <laughs> yeah. surprised if she didn't get it. What are the shit. New York, what are the New York hotspots of the summer that would come up? Like servos or something or? Uh, I mean, clandestino. Are people Asian. still going to all the same? <laughs> Not going to servos is so much better than going to servos. <sighs> Ray's well, bar. They'll go to Ray's and like hang out with Justin Thoreau and Nick Braun. Oh, that would be great. That would be sick. That would be such a wild like crossover event. Justin Theroux in his extremely tight clothes, but, but it's like a Supreme tee and a pair of like skin tight jeans and boots. And he has that mustache because he's playing like Richard Nixon's secretary of state or something. I can't remember. Anyways, he's oh. just got a great facial hair situation right now. Noah, have you ever thought about growing a summer mustache? Um, yeah, I have. I don't quite have like the coloring for it. I, I really like mustaches and a few people like Will's been running a mustache that looks good. Yeah. And Adam Badawi, who we work with at GQ has a really good mustache, but I think you need really dark hair to pull it off. What if you got one of those, what if you got one of those stick on mustaches? Yeah. Or I could do, I could do like mascara maybe on mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
just give it a little dye to color it. Well, Sam got a new haircut. I know I was, we sort of skipped the hair portion of the episode just cause I felt like, um, well, cause I just, I'm shamed. I don't, I just don't want to talk about my hair, but you guys both look good. You look like Andre Agassi. Well, I have a bandana on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Andre, Andre is that you? Yeah. Well, I've been smoking crack and crystal meth and stuff. <laughs> so it's actually, it is a, I am fully bald now and it's a wig and these are dentures in my mouth as well. So I'm, uh, it's cool though. It's cool. Sam, did you go to get a haircut with Colin at the same time? Like you went as friends to get a haircut because I've never heard of that concept before. Oh, I, I, it was the best day ever. So <laughs> Masami Hasono, who cuts my hair at Vacancy Project and is the best, uh, texted me and Colin. Colin was already supposed to get a haircut, his haircut. Colin Stokes from The New Yorker, um, who has some of the freakiest style in New York City, um, had a hair appointment yesterday at 5.30. Masami said, hey, let's all get dinner after. I was like, great. Can I also please get my haircut? It's so long. Masami was like, hell yeah. So we both got our hair cut one after the other. And then my other friend, Sam Koppel, who also has really freaking great style, had gotten his hair cut earlier in the day and Masami invited him to dinner. So then we all just met up at the salon. We all had super fresh haircuts and we all went and got dinner afterwards. It's amazing wow. to celebrate our beautiful, gorgeous androgynous hairstyles. Right, a big night for follicular achievement. It was. Where'd you go to eat? Uh, we went to this Korean restaurant called Mawon in the East Village. It's like right by the salon. How was it? It's pretty good. It was good. Sam, you and I have been on haircut dates before, yeah. but a little bit of a different energy. But we used to, on occasion, or at least once, went to Vacancy Project and mm-hmm. got a haircut. We sat next to each other. We held hands. At the same time. Yeah. Oh, man. I would love to do that again. It's nice to go with a homie and like get that emotional support that sometimes you need to take a radical you know hair step to, yeah. to make a real change in your in your life that's right to know that there's someone right by your side who's not going to judge you no matter how stupid you look or who's yeah. just gonna like roast the shit out of you <laughs> as it's happening but then you can get the roast right away you don't have to like leave and think about it and like spend days like oh my god like am i gonna get roasted you can just get like the instant roast and then yeah. and then undo it or just at least get that out of the way and know know that you know it's just hair it comes and goes it'll grow back or you know you're gonna have a dumb haircut sometimes and i've said it before i'm a big fan of bad haircuts because it's the only way to it's the only way to survive them builds character it's the only way to get to a good haircut is like you know you you gotta have a couple bad haircuts they're inevitable figure out what a good one is me and Sam getting haircuts is is like Adele and Skepta at the Prada outlet <laughs> shopping together. Sam's Skepta and I'm Adele. <laughs> I would love Telling to know him. why they were why they were at the outlet. The out like the Prada outlet must just be absolutely popping with like really sick old season stuff. That's a good point. Wait, which one were they? Was it in Italy? No, it's like in the desert in California. Oh. Well, do you think they didn't want to be seen? And they were like, like, no one's going to see us at the outlet. I mean, that, that clearly didn't. But Adele is so, I mean, like, I could see Skepta kind of like in a, in a like backwoods California outlet mall kind of going unrecognized because he's not that famous in the US. But Adele is, um, 
I mean, outlet malls is exactly where I would think Adele fans are. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And outlets are, are mixed. I don't know. Sometimes you can find gems, but sometimes it's truly just like the, the global backstock of like the million, like bad sweaters that were produced that never sold. It's, it is strange that they're there saving a few bucks on product because they're global megastars. The page six says she's worth $190 million. I guess that's a lot. But I like how page six tried to tried to like make sense of why she would be at the outlet by saying like, well, she just bought this really expensive house. So maybe she was trying to like <laughs> save some save coin, a few, save a little coin. Yeah. Like going to the outlet store. Uh, yeah. I don't, I mean, there's probably a great Prada store like on Rodeo drive or something that would like, I'm sure like close its doors for an hour for these two to shop. Isn't that what they do sometimes? But I wonder if Skepta was like, man, I really want, I mean, he's, he's got really great taste and seems very specific in terms of like his, you know, his personal style and what he wants and what he likes. And he was probably like, I, I can, ima- I can imagine him being like, oh, I really fucked with Prada last season. And this season, like, there was like a bunch of shit from those seasons that I really want. Maybe they have it at the outlet, you know? Cause like, I, I, I heard that the Celine store in, um, in uh, Woodbury Commons or wherever yeah. that is has like all of the sick like 70s like Dylan shit that like you know was in stores two seasons ago and like you know now has been sort of replaced by like the dancing kid like TikToky more sort of streety stuff um yeah and all the 70s all like the sweet like flared jeans and whatever like all at this outlet um apparently that's so, true no I went I went to the Celine store and was talking to the kid working there about the like croc skin croc like embossed penny loafers they made mm-hmm like i don't know if they're two years old i can't spring 2000 maybe it was i don't know mm-hmm. and the kid there was like oh i think they might have those at the outlet and mm-hmm. um which happens to be a, 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 a an area that i occasionally pass through so i went there looking for them because he for some reason he was like i can't call we don't have the same inventory i don't know but you should check it out so i go check it out and woodbury commons is is hell on earth and, but every designer outlet is in there that you can imagine. There's like Laurel Piana, there's every designer, there's North Face, there's an Arcteryx outlet there. Um, there's a Shake Shack and a Parm. So it's really like. And there's um, a Parm? Yeah. Oh, let's go. Yeah, so what happened? Did you find the loafers? No. So I, it was like oh. really embarrassing. I like went, I go to this mall and I'm like, all right, I'm go- where's the, you have to like do all this walking through this like labyrinth of of uh it's like a village of of little outlet stores and then i got to the celine store and it's it's small and didn't have but it did have all the like you said sam the sort of like 70 stuff cool stuff but just random sizes and they didn't have the loafers no not even close they had some weird stuff i sort of left with my head down tail between my legs like ran back to my truck and swore i'd never go again (laughs) it's just an intense experience um I found, a, I found a review for the outlet mall that explains to me why Skepta and Adele were there. All right. This is from a week ago. So it's, it could have even been like the same day that they were there. Everybody was so nice, so friendly. They treat me like a king. I wish everybody every day was like this. Did Skepta write that? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I wish everybody every day were like this. Can you say that about your last shopping experience? I can't say that about literally anything that's ever happened to me. 
episode 129 in the books. Um, we're withholding vibes this time because um, we ran out of minutes on the, the clock ran out, but next week or whenever we get around to it, um, Rachel's going to talk about mattress shopping. Sam's going to talk more about his hair. Um, I may revisit the outlet mall and to see if those loafers appeared. So stay tuned for that. We'll try to get Phoebe Philo, Christian Slater, and Rick Owens all on uh, to call in this time. Unfortunately, we ran out of time once again. And um, what was I gonna say? You guys have anything you wanna say? Someone else sign us off today. XOXO. <laughs> Later. Bye.